0: The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org.
1: So grateful you're with us tonight uh, as well for a very uh, special service. So grateful to go deep this evening with a message from our own Reverend Masando. And so grateful to share the stage as well with Reverend Zamira uh, tonight. And uh, wherever you are, we send our hearts to you. We're so glad to create this virtual sanctuary together. And uh, Masando and Zamira, we always, well, we've been starting these services off just with a deeper dive, a little bit of conversation. And Masando, I know part of your message tonight has to do uh, with the idea of struggle, uh, which sometimes us positive-minded, healthy-minded folks, uh, well, we struggle with that concept. And so I I just thought I'd I'd throw out to both of you tonight, you know, where is struggle positive in our lives and where is it uh, negative? Yeah,
2: I think we're going to talk a little bit about that. I think, you know, struggle for me is just kind of um a part of being human, right? Uh I think it we're living in a time <laughs> when I think we've all had Ups and downs, peaks and valleys, strikes and gutters. <laughs> I even asked Robin, like, how she's doing, and she's like, well, you know, <laughs> like every one of us, like all of us, we've had good days and we've had bad days, and that, um I think that's just sort of the way of it, and I think what I'm noticing is, is like, there's a difference between going through the struggle but not having to suffer through it, right, like, I think in many ways struggling can be really good. Like, I'm a sports fan. I got to say one of the – I'm going to be talking about comfort tonight. But one of the the, the creature comforts that I have, have been, like, fully diving back into is sports. Uh, I'm watching all the sports, basketball, hockey, <laughs> the MLB, and it's all on at the same time right now. Like it's a little dangerous for me because it can uh like take over all of my free time if I don't let it. Um but I noticed that like for me, uh that kind of struggle in sports, like I look at well, I look at your team, the Lakers, right? And you know, they lost that first game. But Thanks you, for reminding yeah, me. Yeah. Sorry, well the Nuggets also got cream today too. Uh but I look at I look at that team and I look at just like, you know, LeBron James, one of the best ever. That dude thrives in the struggle. He thrives when he has a challenge. He thrives knowing that he has to come back from adversity and sports so much is about that. It's about the the struggle, the competition. Even just getting in shape is a struggle and it, there's pain that's involved in it. But it's beauty, right? There's beauty in it when we can engage in something, not be taken by it, but really let like help uh, help it make us better.
1: Yeah, I, I love that, and I, I think it's a you know, mistaken understanding of our philosophy when we think the purpose of all this positive thinking and spiritual practice is to somehow uh, give us a life where there's no struggle or this idea that if I'm struggling that there's something wrong with me when really uh, I'm growing and changing. And, you know, I love something that Martin Luther King Jr. taught this idea uh, that the purpose of faith is not to give us a life of untroubled ease, you know, but it's to give us all the tools that we need to face any of the challenges that are, are before us. And you also reminded me, Masando, of something that Ram Dass used to say. He said, I could, I could be perfectly wonderful and perfectly horrible at the same time. And 100%. sometimes we may be experiencing these days, but there's that, that ability. And I think that's where heroism comes in or, or the great sports person or the great spiritual teacher or the great leader uh, doesn't deny the struggle, but they utilize it to get even better and to you know achieve what their potential is totally yeah how about you for you reverend zamira
0: no, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, one of the things that's been really hard for me, like I, you were saying that sometimes like we choose a, a spiritual path and, um, and we don't really want to struggle through this struggle. We want to kind of jump ahead. And that's always been my struggle with the struggle is that I jump too far ahead. You know, I want to jump to that spiritual principle or to that spiritual viewpoint of it. And, and it's hard to stay with it, like, long enough to, to like, gain its richest, deepest, like deepening of my connection with myself, you know? And like, if I just, I know for many years, I'd just be like, I'd go straight to the book or I'd go, I'd, I was kind of a genius at, uh, at spiritual bypass, you know? I was like, Ooh, yeah, I don't, I don't struggle. I don't need to struggle. I, but it's not true. You know, like we all have these really deep, Um, challenges especially I think that have been kind of stirred up in this present stirring upness that we have going on and and so my biggest thing has been don't jump too far ahead like allow this to take me into a place of being with it so that I could feel it so that I can grow my capacity for resilience you know and grow my capacity for being able to be present in it because it's just hard to stay present in it when it doesn't feel good.
1: Yeah, and to, and to you know, use the sports analogy well as, as a practice. You know, we've got to keep practicing and that's part of the, of the struggles to get better with our, our lives and not just kind of freak out when something's going uh, wrong to try and get back to um, the place where we think we, we ought to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I love what you said, Zamira, about just staying with it long enough. I think if we stay with anything long enough we're gonna find like the gift, the wisdom, but we're not like bypassing our way to getting there like we may still end up in the same place that the book that like you're reaching for is going to get you but there's something organic about uh, and life giving I think about just being in it long enough to allow that wisdom to allow the gifts that come with it, to allow the beauty to allow the 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 beauty of the surrender to the struggle, to whatever is happening in front of us itself to like reveal the divine. I feel like so much of our philosophy actually is about revealing, like it's about revealing the good. Sometimes we have to mine it out. Sometimes we have to sit with whatever is long enough for it to show itself. But it always like, it always eventually does, right? And that's, I think, what's so beautiful uh, about being alive, being human, having a spiritual life is like the beauty always will eventually reveal itself to us. Like if we stick with it long enough and that to me is like part of the, this amazing thing about being alive.
1: And, and I mean, part of what I'm hearing both of you say is that that struggle doesn't have to mean suffering. Uh, and, and yet at the same time, is there a point where, you know, I'm struggling too much. Maybe I don't need to be struggling so much and maybe I need to send, spend some more time in calm and peace.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the line we have to, be discerning about, right? Because I think, honestly, we can get addicted to the struggle itself, too. I I know, like, there has been periods in my life where, like, I got a hit out of being sad, or I got a hit out of, like, the story of heartbreak that, like, just, you know, was the biggest story in my life, or I got a hit out of feeling sorry for myself, for whatever reason that is. And it wasn't until I recognized like that hit that I was getting that um, I realized, like, yeah, this isn't really serving me anymore. It's actually act- causing me suffering needlessly. And that even the, this experience itself, me, already have sort of lived its life. But I'm keeping it going, and I'm struggling in the struggle and there's there's something about that that I think we get a hit off of and some some part of our brain likes because it gives us adrenaline but also I think ultimately just creates a lot more
1: suffering yeah it's so important to not identify with the struggle the 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 drama the struggle is not who I am it's that which has come about for me to demonstrate who I am or demonstrate what I know that's right that's
0: right yeah and I love that word discernment that you said, Masano, because I think that's what comes out of like doing the spiritual practices, you know, like coming, you know, we have that that struggle that comes again and again. It's almost like the, the rock in the rock tumbler, you know, that it's tumbling us and we're polishing our um, our avenue to our own heart and our own soul. And that through going back to my spiritual practice, it helps me stay. It helps me stay present, but it also helps me with that discernment of, oh, right now I'm wallowing. I am, I am woundology all over the place with this, you know, <laughs> instead of, oh, it's time to reach in or reach out or find somebody to talk to or, you know, do the spiritual practice. You know?
1: And it's okay to take a break from struggling sometimes. Yes. You know, part of the creative process is that thing called incubation. So, you know, deal with your problems. Say, I'm going to focus. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to bitch. I'm going to be upset for the next hour, but then I'm going to put it aside and uh, I'm going to watch yeah, the and sports watch game. Some uh, sports or Netflix or whatever. And it's amazing how our inner being can sometimes work on that problem because that, that's what I've often found is the reason I'm struggling so much is I haven't found who I need to be in the new. It's the old me that's struggling with that problem. So sometimes just giving yourself a little break every now and then and a little bit of peace like watching a wednesday night service can exactly. uh, help us uh, return that's my thing is my my problems <laughs> have no problem waiting for me to return to them by setting them down for a little while so Totally. Yeah. Uh, I'm going
2: to do a shameless plug real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're un- undoubtedly like living in some challenging times, some crazy times, some difficult times, and it's hard to know how to stay spiritually grounded and still engaged in the world. Not to like put on the blinders, like still be present to what is, but also stay spiritually grounded. So Reverend Zamira and, and Dr. Barry and Dr. Patty, they're, we're all going to be having a conversation about this, uh, in the workshop <laughs> that's coming up next Saturday. Uh, that'll be online spiritual engagement. Uh, During difficult times. So, yeah, if that's something that's interesting to you, it's a free workshop. It's all love donation based. So, uh, come and join us and and be part of the conversation. So, tonight, uh, the topic of my talk is curiosity over comfort. (laughs) I think uh, it's official. Like, we've all been kicked out of our comfort zones like 2020 is not about that comfy life uh i guess in most ways in in, in some ways i think my comfort level has increased i think this is the first time i've put on a belt uh, in a couple weeks uh, <laughs> the elastic waistband trend has definitely gone up and apparently uh comfort foods have also gone up <laughs> in uh consumption since this uh Since this pandemic began, since we've all been staying at home, uh, some some useless facts for you. Um, So they took a poll of 2000 Americans recently, and apparently uh, most of the country is turning to classic snacks during the covid-19 lockdowns. Uh, Nearly four in 10 say they're eating their favorite foods every day during the pandemic. (laughs) And another 38% are indulging in comforting snacks every other day. So pretty much everyone almost every other day is eating comforting snacks. Uh, Some more useless information. More than 60% of respondents say potato chips are their go-to comfort food right now. Ice cream is a close second with nearly 6 in 10 people saying they need a few scoops to get through the day. Uh, candy, pizza, mac and cheese round out the top five on the comfort menu I may or may not have like a case of Annie's mac and cheese in my cupboard right now and I think the highest number of ice cream flavors I've had in our freezer was four uh, at one time so I don't feel too too bad about that Uh, comfort, I get it, right? Like I get that we're reaching towards comfort foods right now And I'm doing the same thing, like, with music and film and TV shows. Like, I'm finding myself reaching for nostalgic music and movies uh, that bring a sense of another time. And I get it, right? Like, I don't think I even have to say specifically everything that's going on in our lives to make us want to reach for comfort. Like, that's just... A human thing and I'm so grateful uh, that I have in my life this ability uh, to feel some relief through <laughs> those comfort foods and movies and snacks uh, that I reach out for but at the same time like I know that there can be this sort of like addiction to comfort that I was talking about before or this need to always stay comfortable and a lot of it it comes from this uh this feeling or this need or this urge or this want for things to be different than they are for things just to go back to normal just for wishing things to be totally different than what the actual current reality may be and i realized like much like we talked about you know in this living room conversation that that tendency, like when I notice that i 'm doing that, just ultimately brings me a lot of suffering right, and so it makes me think about this concept in Buddhism called equanimity uh, and i I guess spoke at the Center of peace in philadelphia it 's another center for spiritual living in our denomination, and in their uh, in their opening meditation, uh, they talked about this, Rita Naylor is one of the practitioners there. And this is how she talked about uh, equanimity or uh, upeka was the original word in Pali. This is what she says. She says the peace that comes from accepting things just the way they are, that is equanimity. We do our best to stay present with whatever arises, and develop a peace of mind, a knowing and this practice begins with ourselves and spreads out to everyone around us. It's amazing that, like, just being with what is, like, just like Zamir was talking about, like, if we can have this spiritual practice, this discipline, even, to be with things long enough to where our, like, aversion, to whatever that thing is, begins to slow down, begins to fizzle just a little bit, then we can begin to work with whatever is... But the only way we can do that <laughs> is to actually just be with whatever is. To actually be with whatever is showing up in our experience. Whatever is happening in the world. Whatever is happening in our relationships, uh, in our homes. Whatever that is, we're being asked just to be present with it long enough. To maybe gain that wisdom. To, to maybe uh, grow from that experience I know that most of my growth in my life, at least the growth that's kind of been that exponential growth, you know, those like quantum leaps uh, that I know all of us have had, have come when I have been kind of uncomfortable, right? When I've been right sort of outside that edge of comfort. And so much learning can come from that, right? There's a lot of things to be uncomfortable about. Not just having to stay at home uh, the racial reckoning that's happening in our country right now. Listen, like talking about race, talking about racism, talking about discrimination, talking about the ways in which that has shown up in our institutions and systems like that is deeply uncomfortable. That's unnerving. It is not fun to look at. Right. But we know, right. Unless we do, unless we are brave enough, unless, unless we get, you know, comfortable enough through practice with actually talking about race, talking about racism, like nothing's going to change, right? So if it's a little uncomfortable to talk about race and racism and we allow that discomfort to stop the conversation, we know that nothing will change. We know that that growth stops right there too. So uh, Pema Chodron, uh, one of my favorite Buddhist teachers, she talks about it. In this way, she says, There's a common misunderstanding among all human beings who have ever been born on the earth that the best way to try to live is to try to avoid pain and just get comfortable. You can see this even in the insects, animals, and birds. All of us are the same. A much more interesting Kind, adventurous, and joyful approach to life is to begin to develop our curiosity, not caring whether the object of our inquisitiveness is bitter or sweet. To lead a life that goes beyond pettiness and prejudice and always wanting to make sure that everything turns out on our own terms. To lead a more passionate, full, and delightful life than that. We must realize that we can endure a lot of pain and pleasure for the sake of finding out who we are and what this world is. How we tick and how our world ticks. How the whole thing just is if we're committed to comfort at any cost as soon as we come up against the least edge of pain we're going to run we'll never know what's beyond that particular barrier or wall or fearful thing when i first started meditating especially when i did my first like longer like 7 day meditation practice you know, I think when you get into meditation, you think, like, this is going to be the most blissful, incredible, beautiful, zen experience of my life. Like, I just can't wait for all of the bliss I'm going to experience. And I think for anyone that's actually done that, especially in the first couple of days, it is not like that at all. Like, the first couple days, at least for me, was literally... Dealing with physical pain because I was not used to sitting like on the floor. Even though I'm Asian, I do not. I was not raised in an Asian country. I cannot sit on the floor without being in a ton of pain. And so literally my first couple days were just all about like literally working with how uncomfortable I was in my own body. And then not to mention like my mind Obsessing over this pain when it when there were like moments where that wasn't happening, like all I could do was like try to get this Michael Jackson song that was stuck in my head out of my head. Uh, you know that song that goes, uh, "Sometimes I feel like somebody's watching me." <laughs> like that was literally in my head all day, <laughs> every day. Which actually looking back right now uh, is pretty amazing because. <laughs> I think the whole point of meditation, like the whole point of it, is to watch yourself. Like, so somebody was watching me. It was me (laughs) watching me. Uh, I'm getting a kick out of that. And it's amazing uh, that that wisdom came through because that's, I think, what curiosity can do, right? Like, curiosity of self, which is, The first sort of talking point uh, allows that discomfort, allows our aversion to it, allows it to dissipate a little bit. Because what ends up happening when we just begin to like sort of pop out of being taken by our experience like Josh was talking about. There's this aspect of us. We all have this, this ability to literally just pop out of being in the experience and then just to sort of just watch ourselves, like watch self, just like T-Pain says. And all of a sudden, right, like in the midst of all of this sort of turmoil, we have this ability just to like look, watch ourselves going through this experience and not be taken by it and instead approach whatever is happening with a curious mind just being like that's wow that is interesting look look at me go <laughs> look at me just spin off there wow that is a lot you were being a lot right now <laughs> and there's a freedom in that right like there's a the freedom in recognizing like we don't have to be taken by our experience and the judgment that we may have good or bad, uh, about ourselves and about how we're acting or acting out, uh, begins to dissipate a little bit. Uh, there's a psychotherapist that talks about uh, the gift of, of curiosity um, as a powerful tool, tool when it comes to intense emotions. This is what, this is what he says. He says, more often... It is how we react to the feeling of intense emotions that causes the problem and not the emotion itself. This is where curiosity can be such a powerful tool. Let's imagine intense anger has shown up. The more we try to turn it off or push it down, the more intense it becomes. If we're somehow able to suppress it, it may show up in other more passive but still unhelpful ways. The anger wants to be heard it is trying to communicate something important and does not want to be ignored or silenced how might our relationship with anger shift if we got curious about what it was trying to tell us if we turned toward the anger and said something along the lines of i know you're here for a good reason that you have something important to tell me and that at your core You're trying to help or protect me. What has happened that has so upset you? What are you worried or so concerned about? I love this idea that we can turn towards our discomfort. We can turn towards our difficult emotions. And we can kind of welcome them in and simply be curious about what they have to tell us. Because most likely, right, right underneath it, right underneath whatever that emotion may be, there's some insight. There's some beauty. There's something that you and your subconscious uh, is trying to get through to you. And if we spend enough time with any of those emotions, if we just be with it long enough, guarantee that understanding and that insight will come through right and it's not just with ourselves that we can take this approach with this spiritual tool of curiosity we can we can do this with others too Uh, it may be a little more difficult because then you're dealing with a no whole nother human being (laughs) but i find that curiosity can be this thing that can suspend our reaction that can suspend our judgment that can just stop just for long enough the ways that we would normally react to maybe like build a bridge of understanding between myself and another person. makes me think of uh, the St. Francis prayer uh, which there's two parts to, but usually only the first part, you know, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace, or hatred, let me so love, blah, 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 you know. Uh, <laughs> but the second part, you know the words, but the second part goes like this. Uh, o divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, and in it is pardoning that we are pardoned. Ooh, Give up seeking to be understood, and instead seek to understand. That's hard, right? I get how hard that is. But, you know, St. Francis, he probably has something good to say throughout the years. Like, I trust him and somehow what he's telling us, I think, is in order to be an instrument of peace, in order for peace to be a part of who we are, in order for that peace to then be able to resonate out into the world, we somehow have to seek to understand rather than to be understood. And I find that curiosity can be the easiest way To get there, Brene Brown, in her book, Braving the Wilderness, uh, she does some cool question and answer in that book, and there's a guy in the book uh, that says this, I spend most of my time preparing my argument when other people are talking. (laughs) I want to be ready to counter, yet I hate it when people do that to me. I can tell when someone's not really listening. It feels terrible how can you slow things down in the midst of conflict? This is what Brene Brown had to say. She says, uh, one of the most essential steps in this transformative communication, and perhaps the most courageous, is not only to be open-minded, but to listen with desire to learn more about the other person's perspective. I believe and tell my students one of the most courageous things to say in any uncomfortable conversation is simply tell me more, tell me more. Exactly when we want to turn away or change the topic or just end the conversation or counter, as you say, we also have the opportunity to ask what else we need to know to fully understand the other person's perspective. Help me understand why this is so important to you. Help me understand why you don't agree with a particular idea tell me more and then here's the kicker we have to listen (laughs) really listen listen to understand not about agreeing or disagreeing we have to listen to understand in the same way we want to be understood so that curiosity to have a conversation, especially when it's a heated one, especially when it's someone that's sitting across from you that may be sitting on the opposite end of the political spectrum or on the opposite end of any idea or ideology that we may have. We may have a lot of, we may jump to a lot of conclusions about someone because of who they voted for, who they align with, who their friends are on Facebook, Whatever it happens to be, right? And it may be hard to understand. But the only way we'll ever get to like an actual bridge, the only way we can actually be an instrument of peace in this world is if we have a conversation seeking to understand. Like that That being the whole point, And then allowing curiosity to lead the way. And lastly, right? Lastly, what curiosity could do, not just help us be curious about ourselves and about others, but lastly, be curious about the world, right? There are a lot of things that are hard to understand in the world right now. The COVID-19 pandemic has many different theories around it. I had no idea there were so many theories until I got lost in a wormhole one night. But instead of you know, reacting, instead of drawing conclusions about others, instead of going into places of fear and anxiety, maybe we can approach this pandemic with curiosity. Maybe we can really accept the reality of what it is, recognizing that we are, have been disrupted, every single one of us around the world, in our own ways, and some way more than others. But can we stay curious enough to navigate it in a good way so that we can do no harm, so that we can allow ourselves to bring more light and love in the midst of all this discomfort? Can we stay curious about what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement before we jump to conclusions when an athlete kneels and we make it about the flag or jumping to a conclusion uh, about all lives matter when someone says Black Lives Matter, can we stay curious enough to really seek to understand why, why the protests are happening, why these athletes are kneeling, why so many people are talking about this and taking action Can we stay curious enough? And can we stay curious enough when someone on the opposite end of the aisle is triggering us on any social media platform or in real life? Can we stay curious enough? Can we be with that enough and seek to understand where they're coming from rather than jumping to judgment around someone who may have voted in a certain way or for our current president? may or can we stay curious enough to really discover why they voted that way? What was going on in their life? What was the thing that really they believed in? What is the value that they hoped for? Can we stay curious enough? So that's the invitation, everybody. I know these are uncomfortable times, but I also know That if we keep our eyes open, if we breathe long enough, if we allow our creature comforts and a little bit of ice cream to come into the picture, if we allow all of that to be without having to run away from it, without having to push it away, I know that wisdom will come through us. I know that bridges will be built between us. And I know that this thing called life will continue to get better and better and better not just for some, but just for all. So thanks so much for tuning in today, for spending a Wednesday night with us. I'm going to turn it back to the amazing Robin Hackett.
0: And following that beautiful music, I invite you to go within with me right now in this moment for affirmative prayer. Breathing in this moment and dropping into the heart, I recognize and know and feel the ever-present divine. Feeling that God is right here, knowing that God is all there is, one God. And feeling and knowing that essence of the living spirit right here in this moment, feeling it all around as I feel in this moment that unification with the divine, knowing that it is in, through, and as me expressing in this moment and that it is the unifying divine spark that unites each heart tuning in to listen tonight, each heart that will listen in the future, and each heart on this planet. And so I recognize and know in this moment that we open and deepen in that into that space of curiosity that we seek deeply to understand and that we listen and we are open to receive knowing that in the stillness we feel the presence of the divine, always guiding, always speaking, and we open to listen, both within our own hearts and to all of those around us. As Reverend Masando so beautifully spoke, to all of those around us we open to connect in a deeper way. We open to receive and to commune, in this presence of divine together. We open in this curiosity, knowing that we are rooted in the divine so that we are curious in the world around us, feeling that depth of roots in the security, in the presence of the ever giving spirit. And that as we reach deeper, we feel that presence within ourselves And that as we reach in and connect, this reaching blesses all of our relationships. That our relationships are simply healed by that openness, by that deep listening, by that being with one another. And we know, too, that our health is blessed And right now I affirm and know health for all those who may be struggling with the virus, who may be struggling with a health challenge. I affirm and know that the presence of the divine is revealed within each cell because it is always there, always present, always orchestrating the equilibrium and the balance of health. And I affirm and I know abundance and prosperity. For I know that God is our infinite source. And the infinite potentiality of the divine and the consciousness of prosperity is at work in each heart, each heart that is listening to this prayer and is at work in the community, the greater community of Mile High, the greater community of our world at large. And so I feel and I know this deep harmony and peace this evening, that as we open, as we are curious, as we seek to understand, we know, we feel, and we deepen in that consciousness that is peace, peace everlasting, peace that is the eternal presence of God, the eternal presence of love. And so I am so grateful to feel and to know the power of the presence of love at work in all areas of our life this evening. And we move forth from this place, for I know that showers of blessing rain down and touch each one of us. And so I say thank you. And it's with this deep gratitude I release this prayer into that alchemy of love that is the law, knowing and feeling. It is done, and so it is. Amen.
1: Thank you for
2: listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at
1: milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.